is Auto Success, the podcast. This podcast is for automotive sales professionals looking for tools and strategies for maximum success. Now, here's your host, Thomas Williams. Today on Auto Success, the podcast, we're speaking with Marsh Bice, sales manager of Mark Dodge Chrysler Jeep. We last spoke with him in episode 360, and today we'll be talking about bouncing back from rejection. Welcome back, Marsh. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for taking the time today. Hey, Thomas. Happy New Year to you guys, and uh, glad uh, glad to be back, man. Thank you. We'll start as we have been with the uh, Auto Success Under the Hood series of questions where we get to know you a little bit better, Marsh. Um, if you could for us, what is your favorite make uh, or model of a car or, or maybe your favorite feature of a vehicle? Well, believe it or not, man, I'm not a big car enthusiast as far as, you know, I, I don't have any posters on my wall or anything that this is the car I, in my dream car. I really don't. I, I like nice cars. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, the car I have to have, I just I really don't have anything like that. So I'm a pretty simple person. So I'm going to answer this question more along the, the lines of a of a feature. Uh, so my favorite feature on a vehicle that one that I just have to have whenever I get uh, a vehicle, which pretty much all of them have these days anyway, is, is the Bluetooth. And the reason being is because, so that way I can stream my audiobooks, my podcasts and my YouTube videos, uh, through my vehicle because, you know, most people, Thomas, they, they commute to work. It's 20 to 40 minutes one way. And, you know, for me, it takes me, it takes me, um, of course, I'm in a small town too, but it takes me 15 minutes to get to work. So, you know, that 30 minutes, that 15 there and 15 home, that gives me 30 minutes of, of drive time university that I can actually pour some knowledge and, and help gain that edge, uh, over my competition. Now, you know, the competition is not anybody else, Thomas. The competition is the person that I'm competing against is the person who I was yesterday, what I did and didn't do yesterday. So that's my favorite feature is the Bluetooth to, to help, uh, to help uh, gain that, that, that knowledgeable edge. Well, that's a good one. And Marsha, we've known you for a long time. We probably know the answer to this next question, but uh, for the readers or for the listeners, rather, uh, what is your favorite sport or your favorite sports team or both? Well, people, people make fun of me. They make fun of me at work because, you know, I, I, I play collegiate ball um, and they, they make, they make a joke uh, uh, at me all the time because they, they say you're, you're the, the biggest ex jock slash, but now today you're a nerd. And so I love sports, but I love sports in a little bit different way because I think sports teaches you a lot about life, teaches you a lot about sales. So my favorite aspect, um, Thomas, is I love playoff moments. And the reason why I do so much is, is because it's the ultimate manifest- manifestation of where pressure and preparation both meet. And so what I love to see in these pressure type situations is how do they overcome the adversity? How do they overcome these, these setbacks? And, and so that's what, I, and that's when it means at all because it's, it's, it's win or go home. And so everything I do, everything I watch, I, I try to see how it relates to sales. So I like golf. I like baseball. I like football and I like basketball all for different reasons. The golf the the reason why I like to see golf is Thomas, it's all about the strategy. And so how it relates to our business is there's going to be times where we hit a bad shot and golf's not a game of perfection. It's about a game of strategy. So what can you do to get back on the greens? 
what can you do to get your sales process back on track? It's a thinking sport is what it really is. It's not a power sport. And so uh, that's, that's what I like about, uh, about the game of golf. It, 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 it's the game of strategy. I like baseball because it's all about consistency. And consistency is stepping back up to the plate after you bombed the last session, the last customer that you had, and stepping back up to take a swing again, knowing that adversity is coming at you, but you have to be consistent in your mechanics to make a, to make a sale. And the difference between good and great is taking that one more at bat. So I like basketball, Thomas, because it's an improvisational sport and, and sales is all about improv. And so it's taking kind of the scripted moments, the scripted objections. It's taking those different things in being able to make the ultimate improv because there's going to be things that come at you that you weren't even expecting. But the key, the, the basis to improvisation, Thomas, is to never end up on a rejection, to never end up on a no. And so how do you keep the play going? That's what, that's what basketball is all about, right? It's keeping the play going. And so in sales, how do you keep that, that play going? Uh, is how do you find the, the yeses? How can I keep this deal alive? And then last but not least, which is where my heart is, is football. And I like the power. I like the speed of, of football. So it takes a lot of mental power. It takes a lot of mental toughness to get back up. And you have, you have just uh, cost yourself a sale. And how can, you, how can you wipe the slate clean and get back up and forge that mental toughness to go back out there? So it takes power of leveraging your different aspects of your sales process, levering, leveraging different questions to ultimately be successful in sales. So that's my answer to that. Well, we appreciate that. Get to know you a little bit better and much like rejection, whether it's uh, either a shot or most recently, maybe some of our favorite teams, not where they should be. Uh, besides not making a sale, uh, what are some other uh, maybe more subtle ways that salesperson, uh, a salesperson can be faced with rejection? Well, I, I, I think I think we put too much emphasis, Thomas, on on the, the, the end result of, of making a sale. And it's just that making a sale. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're playing in a rejection based business. And so when we don't make a sale, Thomas, what we do is, is, is we get, we, we tear ourselves up and we beat ourselves up. And so we're expecting to make a hundred on a test that a passing grade in our business is a 20 to 20 to 30% score. And so the, the rejection we face is ourselves, Thomas. And what we do is the problem is we reject ourselves and we play these situations over and over and over again. And so what happens is every time you replay that, that rejection, every time you replay that lost sale, then what you do is you're actually taking kind of like the Jenga game. You're taking things from the bottom these little bitty blocks. And before you know it, the whole thing comes down. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing good that comes out of that. When you keep rejecting yourself over and over again, it's going to interfere with your effort. When it interferes with your effort, then you don't get any good results. So what we've got to be able to do is we've got to be able to give 100% effort to yield 25 to 30% of the results. But the results will yield in big commissions and real good commissions and being successful. But instead of looking at, oh, man, I should have made this sale. No, I got to give 100% effort to this, this customer that I'm working with. And if I do that, and if I do this in the right frame of mind, I know in the end, in the big grand scheme of things, then I'll be more su successful. 
And you touched on it a little bit there, Marsh, but describe in general the mental attitude that a successful salesperson has towards rejection and the attitude an unsuccessful salesperson has. Good question, Thomas. Uh, it's a, it's a, here, here's how I look at it. Successful people take rejection professionally, whereas unsuccessful salespeople take it personally. And so what you've got to do as a salesperson is you've got to understand that rejection is part of the process. People aren't rejecting you. They're, they're rejecting maybe your idea and maybe because it doesn't fit into their ideas. And so what you've got to be able to do is you've got to leverage your influence in helping them see what you see. And so to be successful in, in sales, you've got to not look at how many yeses did you get. Instead, look at how many no's did you amass. There's a real good book, Thomas, that I read, and I recommend to, to all sales managers, to anybody who's in sales. It's, it's called um, uh, Getting to Know, and it's written by uh, Andrea Waltz. It's a real thin book, real small book, so it, it's an easy read. But the synopsis of the book is this is you focus on the no's and not the yeses. The more no's you get, the closer you'll be to uh, to your yeses. So that's what we have to look at. We have to look at the the process of, the, the, the professional process of stacking the no's. If you do that, then you don't take the, the, the no's uh, personally. You take them more professionally. And when you take it professionally, you know it's part of the job and you just keep stacking them up. You stack up of enough no's, then you'll stack up enough sales as well. And as a leader, how can you help a salesperson become more resistant to a negative attitude when rejection comes? You got to show him, him or her the wins and losses. And not all wins result, uh, I'm sorry, show, show him the wins and not all losses. So what you've got to do is you, you've got to, a win, Thomas, is not necessarily a car sale. Yes, that in a perfect world, we all want to sell a car every, every single, you know, customer we encounter, but that doesn't always happen. So a win is helping that salesperson see that, you know what, you got a customer that barely cracked the window, you got them out of the car and into a demo. And, or you got the demo into a write up, or you got the write up inside into and overcame this, uh, you know, their objections and started working a deal. Or, or the other thing is, is, is you set it all up so now you have the makings of, of a deal and you have a good TO. So it's what it is, is, is showing them the wins and showing them what they did and then also lacing that with what they could have done better. And so too often what we do as a leader is, is we just blast them about what they did wrong. And what we've got to instead do is we got to start with what they did right give them some support on that, and then interweave the, here's what you need to do better. Flip it around, show them what's right first, and then working in, here's what you need to work on next time. And, and so if you do that, then they feel more confident. And if they're more confident, then they, they start looking at, okay, these simple wins. Ultimately, it will result in more sales. So another thing, too, is, You've got to you've got to help prop them up with positivity, with videos, with books, with reading material. I know most people don't like to read. I love to read. So what I'll do is I'll take different synopsis from different books and share that in my meetings. They're not going to read a 400 page book necessarily, but if they do, I'll buy them one. But, you know, it, it, but what I can do, if I can take a little small segment of that or a small segment of a video and help them with the positivity, then that'll become infectious as well and which will help improve their effort as well. 
And Marsh, with your experience, I'm sure you've uh, you've witnessed this. Let's say a service person is just having a horrible month when nothing seems to be going uh, his or her way. Uh, besides those wins, uh, showing them the wins that you just mentioned, how would you counsel that salesperson? Well, uh, you know, first of all, nothing went his or her way because they weren't willing to own it. And so what you've got to do as a leader is what I do is, is, is I, I first ask them what went wrong. I'll sit them down and say, what happened? Um, and then, and then what could they have personally done to change the course of the month? I want to know this is, and not this person should have done this or this person. No, what could you have personally done that would have improved your month? I want to ask that question because I want to isolate the basis of blame. So, because what they'll do is many times to justify their poor performance is they'll blame credit, they'll blame customers, they'll blame uh, managers, split deals, and they're not willing to own their own effort. And so there's a real good book, Thomas, called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And we're going to go over a few books. While in, this whole, in this whole podcast, we're going to read three books. That's good. That's <laughs> so good. There, yeah, there, there's a real good book. Um, called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And uh, he was uh, in a German prison camp. And he basically lost his whole family. Um, uh, there, was, there was a couple of survivors. But what he understood is he understood the power of choice. And, and there's a powerful quote in that book that said this, that um, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way, to choose one's own freedom, to choose one's own attitude in any, any given set of circumstances. So what I'll first do is I have them take full responsibility for their attitude and then their effort. And so what they've got to do is they, they have to understand the power of choice. And so what, what Viktor Frankl understood is he understood this. He could either accept what was going on around him and the horrific conditions, or he could, he, he could understand that he had the power of choice. He had the choice whether to hate these people or to, or to just say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on these things. And so what you've got to do is, especially with the rejection, you're focusing on the rejection and you're not focusing on what you should be doing and the impact that you can make in people's lives. So focus on those things and you first have to have that power of choice. So I'll sit down, I have them own it. I'll have them also understand that they're in complete control of their choices. And then based on those choices, they can make, they, they can turn things around. So if you want to change things, it, it, it starts with the, with the power of choice. What goes into making a dealership or, or any business for that matter, a place that cultivates a positive atmosphere when it comes to facing and dealing rejections? Hmm. Um, well, my friend Dave Anderson says this, you can't change the culture until, until you change the conversation. And so in order to build a positive culture and a, and a, and a positive environment, then you've got to change the conversation. And as a leader, what you've got to do is, is you've got to change the conversation first. And so you have to stop talking about salespeople uh, or, or other managers when they leave the room. Uh, stop insulting customers and employees. Stop the cynicism. Hold the line. And, and, you know, that is something sometimes it's very hard to do, Thomas. And I don't always succeed in that either. But I know there's always room for improvement on this. 
and the fact that when you can catch yourself, then you can you can flip that thing around real quick. So we, we've got enough of rejection from outside forces, and, and Lord knows, Thomas, we don't need any more. So we don't need the inside forces to reinforce those rejections. So as a leader, what we have to do is we have to spearhead the movement of positivity and, and that, that they're, they're good things and great things that we do for our customers, for our community, um, and so, and, and for our profession, and we've got to, we've got to be that if they can feel that if we're changing the conversation, then they feel it. And, and when they start feeling it, then their effort starts changing. And when the effort starts changing, then the, then the, uh, the, 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 the results that we desire, the environment that we desire, the rejection less, uh, environment we desire, uh, is diminished, but you've got to first change that conversation. Now let's reflect back, Marsh. What what do you do yourself when rejection comes? How do you handle it? Um, well, there's a there's a there's a story in um in in a in a book called um, Take the Stairs by Rory Vaden, and in it he's talking about uh, buffaloes and cows on the Colorado plains, and what he did is it's a great story, <clears throat> and basically the story is this, Thomas, is when a storm is, is coming in, what cows see when cows see the storm. When the storm approaches them, they run with the storm. And so what they do is they run, they're running with the storm. And so it prolongs the storms in their lives. And so the discomfort only becomes more so because they're running alongside of the storm. But buffaloes, on the other hand, they see the storm and they do the exact opposite, Thomas. What they do is they run toward the storm because they understand this. The displeasure will be a lot shorter. And so they'll face the storm, they'll turn and run, and they'll run completely through the storm. It's a shorter time period, and what they've done is they've confronted it. So what I'm learning as a man, as a leader, as a father, as a husband, is to be a buffalo and not a cow. And I've got to confront the storms in my life. And so, you know, years ago, Thomas, during the recession, I had to declare bankruptcy. And so that was the biggest thing. And what happened is because I was a cow, I was running alongside of the storm. And that's the best thing that could have ever happened to me because what it's now made me do is become a buffalo and confront the storms that are that are that are that I'm, I'm faced with. We all have storms in our lives, and so what we have to do is instead of running from those things, confront them. And and so not only having that presence of mind, but then also reading how other people face their storms and how they overcame adversity. Everything that's ever happened to you, chances are. It's happened to somebody else somewhere in this world. And there's many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of books out there probably that deal with certain issues. And so if you can, if you can help read those things, you'll realize that you're not alone and that if they overcame their storms, then you can do those things too. It opens up my mindset. It helps me to become better equipped to be able to handle the storms in my life. And Marsh, what one idea would you like to leave our listeners with today? I'm I'm going to leave you with with with, with this Thomas and and I'm I'm actually going to going to put a blog up this week about this. Um recently before we got on air, you know, Dave and I were talking about the 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 Patriots and they're they're catching a lot of heat because of these underinflated balls. And so, you know, if if those of you who don't know the advantage of an underinflated ball is it gives you a better grip. And so, you know, an underinflated ball for a quarterback means he can control the ball better. He can grip it better. And receivers and running backs can grip the ball better 
uh, and it prevents from anybody uh, uh, sh- stripping the ball. They they can they they've got a better grasp on those kind of different things. And so my suggestion to you is is you've got to keep your ball underinflated at all times. That's your advantage. Now your your ball in in our business it's the wins and losses. It's the trials and trage- tragedies. It's the ego and pessimism. If you can keep those things underinflated, because here's the thing, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as who they say you are. And so keep your ball underinflated. Keep everything in perspective, because there are going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. But if you keep your ball underinflated, you'll always maintain a grip on life. Some positive in- information and uh, great strategies for approaching rejection. We appreciate your time, Marsh. Thanks so much for having me back on, Thomas. Our guest today has been Marsh Bice, sales manager of Mark Dodge Chrysler Jeep. For more information about his dealership, visit www.markdodge.net. Thanks for listening to the Auto Success Podcast. For more information about Auto Success Magazine, log on to autosuccessonline.com. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about this show or future shows, email us at podcast at autosuccessonline.com. Now make it a successful day.